How are we doing this morning? Good. Good. Well, last week we started, uh, we talked about what it looks like to connect with Christ. And we've been in a series called Heart for the House. And this is our fourth week now. And we've been going through all of our, our core values. And last week we talked about connecting with Christ. And this week we're going to be talking about growing with others. So essentially we're talking about relationships this morning. Um, so before we do anything, before we dive into anything, before we open the Bible, um, let's just go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for what you've done. God, we thank you that even at the times, many times, that we don't deserve your mercy, that we don't deserve your grace, God. God, that you continue to love us, that you continue to be there for us. God, even in our faults and all of our failures, God, that you are still God. God, we thank you for who you are and what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, all of heaven... And all of earth is based on one word. Actually, Jesus sums up the entire Bible into one word, and that word is simply relationships. Relationships are very, very important. We see it all throughout the Trinity. We see God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit in this community that is constantly working together. We see a relationship between Jesus and his disciples. Relationships are very, very important. You know, um, my dad's pastor, Pastor Jacob, often says that, show me your relationships and I'll show you your future. Most of the people that you tend to hang around and the people that you choose to spend your life with, whether we like it or not, they shape who we are. Especially um, working with youth all the time, the one thing that we're constantly fighting against is the people that they're hanging around. Because they can come in and they can ask for counsel and say, man, I don't know, I don't understand why I'm making the decisions that I'm making. And 99.9% of the time, the reason that they're making the decisions that they're making is because of the people that they're hanging around. And it's no different as an adult. The way that we, that we think, the conversations that we have, the path that we tend to go down to has a lot to do with the people that we surround ourselves by. Um, people are very influential over our lives, good or bad. The quality of your life is going to be determined by the relationships that you choose to have. So if you have lame friends, chances are you're pretty lame. (laughs) If you have friends that are constantly encouraging you and uh, lifting you up, then chances are things are going to look a little bit different in your life. Think about it. Heaven is determined on our relationships. Ultimately, eternity is based on the relationship that you have with Jesus. Where you spend the rest of your life is based on a relationship, a connection with Christ, what we talked about last week. That it's all about the relationship that you have between you and Jesus. So relationships are very, very important. And the sad thing, oftentimes we don't see it that way. We don't see um, fellowship with others and community with other people and people that love Jesus and inviting those people into our life. We usually don't see that as very important. Oftentimes, many of us see a relationship with Jesus just between us and Jesus. That it's all about your relationship whenever you spend time with Jesus, if it's in the morning or or after work or whenever you choose to do it. For most of us, it never moves beyond that. It never moves beyond the five minutes or the prayer time that we have with Jesus because some of us think that that's what it's all about. When ultimately, Jesus has put people here on this earth for a reason. 
I don't know if you've looked around recently, but there's a lot of people here. And that's for a reason. Your relationship decisions are the most important decisions that you will ever make in your entire life. Which is why here at OSC we have um, our four core values are connecting with Christ. And what we're going to be talking about this morning, growing with others. We grow when we surround ourselves around people that are going to constantly help us grow. You ever put yourself in an environment with something that, let's just say, that you're not good at? And you get around people that are good at that? And you tend to become better at something that you weren't so good at? And it's not because somebody sat you down in a class and instructed you on how to do it. It's just simply because you got around people that were better at it than you were. And you begin to grow. So basically, the whole concept that we want to talk about this morning is that we grow when we're in relationships. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. And actually this morning, we're going to be all over the place. So if, if you want to hold your finger there, we're going to uh, flip all around. So, um, but Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. It says this. It'll be on the screens if, if you don't have a Bible. Just a side note, it, it is important to bring your Bible with you. Normally, uh, we, we go through it. So, um, Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Notice, he's talking about relationships. He's talking about pairs. He does not say, when you and Jesus are by yourself praying, I'm with you. There's this emphasis when two or more are gathered together that Jesus is with us. So here's the question. Why is Jesus so interested in relationships? Why is he so interested in relationships? Jesus is so interested in relationships because ultimately they are the most influential things in your life. Where you are at in your life right now is probably a good indicator of the relationships that you have and the people that you surround yourself around. Ecclesiastes 4.8 says this, This is the case of a man who is all alone, without a child or a brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, Who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It is all so meaningless and depressing. Why is this? He's working so hard to gain and to attain wealth or to gain possessions or to gain things. It's not wrong to work hard. It's not wrong to have things. But in the end, if you have nobody to celebrate it with, what's the point? In the end, if you've worked your entire life and you look back on it all and it's just you... Celebrating your stuff. It's not worth it, is it? I have a story that Pastor Jacob shared that stuck with me. Um, He had an opportunity to speak at a Billy Graham crusade many years ago. And uh, someone came up and asked him, he said, man, what was just the most incredible thing about doing that? You got to speak in front of millions of people. What, What did that feel like? He said, you know, one thing I learned is I traveled with him and I spoke with him for a little bit and he said after I got down from preaching 
He said it was the loneliest place to be because I realized that I just lived out this great moment and I had nobody to share it with. You ever notice, and, and kids are a really good indicator of this, is that when they accomplish something, they want you to know that they've accomplished something. My two-year-old is learning how to use the toilet. <laughs> and he loves, loves you celebrating the fact that he just used the toilet. Um, so much so that it does not matter who is at the house, he will come running out, TT! He wants everybody to know what he's just accomplished. He wants everybody to know that he does not have to wear diapers anymore. And it's the same thing for us. When we accomplish things in Christ, and when we come to a place in our life where we feel like, man, we've done something, but then you look back on it all, do you have anybody to celebrate that with? If you notice in Ecclesiastes, the verse, I'm going to read it again. It says, this is the case of a man who is all alone, without a child or a brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. People that don't have relationships, you know what they tend to do? Is they work really hard. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. It's, it's a good thing to work really hard. But because of the fact that they don't have relationships, they try to compensate it with work. And they, and they think, if, man, if I just work really hard, then I can get somewhere. But in the end, if you haven't invested into anyone, where are you going? Who are you celebrating it with? So what I want to do real quick is um, give you five reasons many times why we walk alone. Why we walk alone. Why is it that sometimes that we don't really invest into relationships and the first one, I honestly believe, and I'm not saying this sarcastically, I believe that sometimes we're just naive. Some of us are just naive. There are some of you that genuinely didn't even know that you really need people as bad as you do. In love, I'm here to tell you this morning that you need people. And you need them a whole lot more than you think. A sad thought is this, that some of us actually think that we can handle it on our own. And, and my question to that person is this. If you think that you can handle it by yourself, if you think that you can handle it on your own and you don't need people, there's a good indicator. When you lay down at night, is that weight crushing you? Is the fact that you're struggling and you're doing life by yourself, is that weight overbearing and is it crushing you? If so, you're doing life alone. There's a story of uh, Muhammad Ali who at one point in his life was flying on an airplane. And the flight attendant looked at him and said, excuse me, sir, you, you, know, you, need, to, you need to buckle your seatbelt. To which he kind of smart aleckly replied, he said, Superman doesn't need a seatbelt. Which this, the flight attendant looked back at him and said, um, and Superman didn't need an airplane, so buckle your seatbelt. <laughs> Some of us are just naive to the fact that we need people. 
Honestly, some of us think we're invincible. But the longer that you go, life begins to find you out. And it begins to take a toll on you. And it really begins to wear on you. And there's things that happen that are completely out of your control. Number two. It could be a temperament or maybe even a personality. Um, You may say to yourself, I'm not outgoing. (laughs) I don't like to be around people. And I would just say to you that that's, that's not an excuse. See, a lot of people like to blame their sin on their personality. They like to excuse their sin in the way that they are and the, the reason that they act the way that they do. And they say, well, that's just the way that God created me. But that's not an excuse to keep on sinning. See, God created people. God created others for a reason. And he didn't just give you that personality so that you can literally spend the rest of your life with no one. Number three is fear. Some of us don't want to jump into a relationship with friends or with the opposite sex because of the fact we're scared. There's a legitimate fear. The first one is this. What's going to happen if I connect with people? If I open myself up and I begin to share these things with other people, what is going to happen? And then the second one is, what will people think once they really know me? I don't know if you know this, but in our culture, it's a lot, and especially in this day and age, it's a lot easier to do this, but you can give off a front of somebody that you're really not. And we see this with social media all the time. Let me give you an example. Um, if, you, if you're on Facebook or you have an Instagram or any of those things, you ever notice like people taking pictures and it's, it's like them doing something really cool, but they were really only at that place for like two seconds. But they want everybody to know that they were there or they did this certain thing. Which in reality, it was probably like a once in a lifetime experience. And then their caption is like, doing this all the time, having a great something. Just crazy. That's not even true. Because, and they do these things and they create this false identity because of the fact that they, they want people to know who they are. And not who they really are. They have this kind of, hey, this is who I want people to know who I am. And this is who I want people to perceive me as. But I don't really want them to know me. Number four is past experiences. And this is legitimate. Some of us have honestly been burned in relationships. Some of us have been wounded relationally. Some of us have been hurt and, and we don't want to go down that road again. Your response to that hurt or that failed relationship, it was kind of something like, I'll never do that again. I'll never do that again. And that's a wrong response. We've got to be careful that we don't let past experiences keep us 
from what God really has for us. See, too many people take past experiences and wounds and they base the rest of their life on it. Saying, well, I was hurt this one time, so I'm never going down that path again because I'm going to save myself the pain. But because of that, every relationship that you enter in, you're just constantly reliving the past over and over again. Because you haven't been healed, you haven't been set free of that. Number five, and I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this one because I think now, just our generation and our culture and what we're growing up in, this one is very important. Number five is busyness. We deal with the busiest people on the face of the earth. We are the busiest generation. But let me ask you this question. How many things that you are busy with are actually contributing to your life? How many things do you busy yourself with that don't mean anything? I think I've said this before, but and this is true for, for every man that works, especially if you run a company. It is not the end of the world if you don't answer your phone. You know what the crazy thing is? This little device right here, for many people and many husbands, has become its mistress. You're more worried about how things are going and what you're going to have to face tomorrow than just genuinely connecting with the people that God's put in your life. Social media is a love-hate relationship for me. I like it because it can do so many good things and at some times it can make you feel good because you can post things and, you know, people can comment and you can feel good about yourself. But on the flip side of it, it just, it distracts you from every relationship that you enter in. I hate that I have to do this, but it's like when, when Claire and I have to go out now, we have to, hey, can we, uh, can you just leave your phone in the car? Why? Because it's a distraction. And it's just something that I subconsciously go to. I'm not even thinking about it. It's just we can be sitting there and just, you know. I mean, the saddest thing that you see is you go to a restaurant and you can see a couple that will sit there and will never utter a word to each other. But via Facegram, Instagram and Facebook, it looks like they had a blast, right? Don't let the world or your schedule be the one that is telling you how to live. All of us from time to time ought to analyze our lives and see if there are things that we are doing that are not growing us. What are things in your schedule that contributes absolutely nothing to your life that you continue to do on a daily basis? I never watched it, but I thought it'd be a good example. How many of you remember the show Cheers? Yeah, anybody remember the plot line to that? It was a sitcom about this bar owner 
by a Red Sox picture who owned a bar who didn't even drink. It became this hangout place and they became this family and they loved to go not because they were able to eat or drink, but because they were able to spend time with each other. The whole show was based on relationships. You know, we've had this discussion multiple times in our staff and when we're creating different environments and with OSC kids and um, with fuel and all those things. When we're looking for volunteers, it's not necessarily that we're looking for somebody to just find a position or fill a position. Because people will end up staying doing something even if they don't like what it is they're doing if they like the people they're doing it with. I mean, I have, um, I've sat down with people at different, re- like, for instance, I'll, Waffle House, okay, is probably the most disgusting place on the face of the earth. If you want to throw up, just walk in their bathroom. For some reason, they have good coffee, though. I don't know why. But I've gone there. Almost every Tuesday because of a relationship. I hate the place. (laughs) It's disgusting. But I don't care. If I'm able to pour into somebody and if somebody's able to pour into me, it's all about the relationship. It it doesn't matter where we hang out or, um, or what we're doing. Don't you think that everybody ultimately wants to go to a place and be a part of something where somebody knows your name? They know who you are. Romans 12.5 says this. Since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other. And each of us needs all the others. We need each other. I don't know if you notice this, but in Genesis, when, when God began to create the world. And then he creates Adam. And up until this point, until he created Adam, he said everything was good. He created the ocean. He said, this is good. He created land. This is good. He created animals. This is good. And then he came to man. He creates man and he says, you know what? He needs a helpmate. He needs something else. He's not going to make it by himself. So what does he do? He, He creates a partner. The original plan, the design from the very beginning was for us to walk with each other. So there's four aspects to a person's life. The first one is this. It's the arena. It's almost where I know and you know. Most people never go beyond this first aspect. This is the public side of us not the real us. I mean, what is an arena? It's kind of like where we all come together, we can kind of shake hands, or even it could be like a Sunday morning church service. We shake hands, people kind of know your name, they know your face, but they know absolutely nothing about you. And the majority of us never go beyond that point. But here's the truth. I need people who really know me. Why? Because there's another side to me. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 11 says this. 
No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's spirit. The truth is, there's a different side to all of us. Different than the one that we give off. All of us have a place that we can go when we're by ourselves and we're completely different than when we're around people. The choices and the decisions that we make when we're by ourselves, that's who we really are. So you may say, why do I need someone who really knows me? Because then you put yourself in a very vulnerable spot. And let me tell you why. Because we all have that day. It's the day when you want to check out. It's the day when you want to give up. It's the day when you want to go back to making stupid decisions. Or maybe on the flip side, it's the day when you hear news that you don't necessarily want to hear. It's the day when your wife decides to leave you. It's the day when something happens to your kids. It's the day when you hear news from a doctor that you don't want to hear. That's why we need people. Nobody wants to go through that by themselves. You can't make it by yourself. Left to your own thoughts and your own fears and your own insecurities without anybody coming along to encourage you and to lift you up and to build you up, it is a dangerous place to be. Now here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you have to open up your life to absolutely everybody that you come in contact with. Because let's just be honest, and I'm not trying to be crude on this, there's just people we don't like. And that's the truth, and that's okay. All of us are different. But there has to be that community of people, that few people that really know who you are. And let me go a step further, that really know your thoughts and your struggles and your temptations. That really know your marriage and your tendencies. We need a community where everybody knows what we deal with. Where everybody knows our weaknesses. The second aspect of a person's life is the mask. I know, but you don't know. It means that you know something about yourself that somebody else doesn't. They think they know you, but they really don't. It's almost like you've got some things that you don't want people to know and you go to any length to not let them know about it. And you think if you let them know the secret, if you kind of take off the mask in a little bit in a way, then you're not safe, you're vulnerable. You expose yourself. So we believe the lie that it's, we have to continue to put it on, continue to put on this mask continually to hide who we really are. But if there's something that only you know about you, you're not safe, you're not in a good place. You have to have somebody who knows your secrets. Somebody who knows when you're tempted. I want to read a song to you real quick. Um... And I'm going to explain it after I read it. It says this. 
I could just sit and wait for all your goodness, hope to feel your presence, and I could just stay. I could just stay right where I am and hope to feel you, hope to feel something again. And I could hold on. I could come on to who I am and never let you change me from the inside. I could be safe and never let these walls down. But I love the chorus. It says, but you have called me higher. You have called me deeper. There's so much more than the mask. There's so much more than the walls that you build up. As a Christ follower, he's called us so much higher than that. And the thing that I love about the gospel of Jesus Christ is that whenever you take off the mask, that whenever you let the walls down and you do it around the right people that genuinely love you, the only thing that you have to lose is your pride. And other than that, we begin a process of restoration. And it's not Jesus saying, why in the world have you been holding on to that? And if you're around the right people that genuinely love you, it's, it's not them condoning you and condemning you for what you've done. It's saying, how can I continually point you to Christ? How can I help restore your faith? The truth is we need somebody who's going to get our back. We need somebody who's going to be able to look out for us. 2 Corinthians says this. <clears throat> Excuse me. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 2 says, We refuse to wear masks and play games. We don't maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes. And we don't twist God's word to suit ourselves. Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open. The whole truth on display. So that those who want to see and judge for themselves in the presence of God. James 5 says this. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. I want to point something out to you. Because all across churches in America, we constantly teach this. If you want to be forgiven... Just ask and God will forgive you. That's true. God will forgive you every single time. But if you want to move past the issue and stop coming into a place where you have to ask God for forgiveness every single day and you can actually be healed of the thing that you're constantly asking for forgiveness for, then we've got to confess to other people. We ask for forgiveness and God forgives. If you want to be healed, we go to people. You need a person that is going to protect you and to see you get healed and be committed in saying, listen, we're going to walk through this together. If I did not have people in my life, if I did not have people that genuinely love me, that could tell me the truth, that could look at the way that I handle my job or look at the way that I handle my marriage or look at the way that I do certain things and if I did not allow that and allow people to come in and speak the truth, I would not be where I am today. Number three, the blind spot. 
It's kind of like, I don't know, but you know. The best way that I can put it is, um, if you ever go out to a restaurant with your spouse, you're eating dinner, and you're having great conversation, and the next thing your spouse does is she, he or she opens her mouth and they have like this massive piece of spinach on their teeth or something. If you love them, you're going to tell them, right? Hopefully. Men, hopefully you would tell your wife if she has some massive piece of spinach in her tooth. And why do we tell them? Because we love them. And ultimately, we do have blind spots, There's things in our life that we do that we don't see that we do. And we need people to constantly point those things out to us. We need people to speak truth. It may hurt, but we need people to tell us we're prideful, even though we may not think that we are. We need people to be honest with us. I need someone who's going to tell me your attitude is horrible. Or man, why are you acting this way today? And you know why we need people to tell us that? Because it constantly reminds us of the state of our heart. It constantly reminds us and constantly reminds us to think inwardly. Why am I having this attitude? Why am I treating this person this way? Proverbs 27, 6 says, Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. I would rather somebody tell me the truth now than have to find out the truth when I'm falling and crashing and burning. (laughs) Number four, the potential I don't know and you don't know, meaning that only God knows your potential. Jeremiah says it this way, that only Christ understands the heart. You ever have yourself, you make a decision or you do something and you don't even understand why you did it? Why did I just do that? Why did I just say that? Because as human, we don't even understand our own heart. I think we can excuse this on women more often. Because, you know, sometimes I come to my wife, I'm like, why are you crying? I don't even know. Uh, should I? Do, okay. You know, what, what should I do? Uh, but it's the same for men and women. There are decisions that we make. There are things that we say. And we don't even know why we did it. Because we don't even understand our own heart. So if my potential can only be realized by God, how does my life group or how does my community with other people really even matter? Here's how. Because God's system to pulling out the best in you is to connect with other members of the body of Christ. That's why he calls us a body. Ephesians 4.16 says he makes the whole body fit 
perfectly together. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Here's the beauty about relationships. Is that something that you're weak in, if you walk with people that are strong in in your weaknesses, they can cover you. Because we're a body, it all works together. We need each other to function correctly. There's some of us that are very organized and some of us who are not. And those that are not, we we need you. There, There are others that are bold and loud and they like to get up in front of people and they don't have a problem having discussions and then there's others that just like to shrink back and sit in the back. You know what? You need the bold and the loud people. God creates us all differently for a reason to constantly push us out of our comfort zone. You may ask yourself, God, why did you create me this way? Why did you create me loud or why did you create me to shrink back? Because he's always after your heart. Because personality is not an excuse. He's always after your heart and your motive. Because you could sit back and you could watch everybody do the things that you dream about. Because that's just your personality. Or you could say, okay, I'm going to get around people that are bold. And I'm going to watch the way that they do it. And you begin to learn. And does it require some boldness? And does it require some, maybe some rejection or some failure? Of course. The truth is, I need people who are going to grow me. And this happens when we connect to the body of Christ. This happens when we're all functioning together. Too often, I think church can become a place where it becomes all about activities, numbers, how good the preacher preached. And we miss out on the true reason why we're really here. You're not here to hear me speak or to hear anybody who stands on this stage speak. You're here to connect with the people that are sitting next to you. You're here to take the truth that you hear every Sunday morning and apply it to the relationships that God's placed in your life. Your life can be truly and powerfully changed by just simply showing up to this church. But going beyond that, showing up and taking the time to really get to know a select few of people. You're not going to be able to build an intimate relationship with everyone here. That's impossible. I mean, quite frankly, I don't want everybody here knowing my stuff. (laughs) I'm sure you don't either. But there are a select few that should. So here's what I want to challenge you with this morning. 
is, you know, we have life groups and we have all kinds of things going on here. And I'm not trying to promote that. But what I am trying to do is get you to think about this. When you came in here on sun, this morning, was it about the people that you came in here with? Or was it about what you needed and what you were going to get? And I lose thought of this all the time. That I come in here thinking of everything that I need to do. Okay, this has to go on, this has to go on. And I can lose the sense of just relationship. That hold, hold on, I'm here to connect with people. I'm here to grow with others. God's put people in your life for a reason. And, and let me just be honest with you. Most of you, there's, maybe there is a select few that honestly say, you know what, I, I have no clue who those people could be that I could really begin to, to share my life with. And that just comes by we've got to step out, build relationships, make ourselves vulnerable, move past our past. And then there's other, most of us, I would say, we know the people that God's put in our life. We know the community and the relationships that God has given us. And now we've just got to take them seriously. Because I can't tell you how many times I've had even people at my house or people come, I go to people's house, and our conversation is about nothing. It's about absolutely nothing. God puts people in your life for a reason. And when you have an opportunity to share your life with others and to live with other people and to open up about things, it's our responsibility as a Christian and as a Christ follower to do those things. Because ultimately when we begin to share our lives, then people know who we really are. They know our weaknesses. They know our strengths. And they know how to support us. They know how to pray for us. They know how to encourage us. So here's what I want to leave you with this morning. Is it really is a dangerous place to be closed off. Because you can't handle it by yourself. The pressure in the world is too big and it'll crush you. The temptation and the things going on around you are much more powerful than you are. And it'll crush you. First and foremost, your relationship with Christ is the most important thing. As, even as Ms. Bridget said in the, in the video, your relationship with Christ is an overflow of having relationship with others. Some of us, I would beg to differ. You say that you love and you know Jesus and you want to have a relationship with him. But I would genuinely question it if you don't have a relationship with other people who you can freely and talk openly about your own life, your struggles, your fears, your failures. Because when you connect with Christ, you understand that he's covered all of those things and you have nothing to lose and nothing to hide. And so when you share it with people, it's just an overflow of what Jesus has already done in your life. And that's why I emphasize, do it with the right people, 
People are so important. And God puts them here for a reason. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. God, most importantly this morning, we pray that we would understand, God, that our relationship was not just meant to be between us and you, but God, that our relationship amongst others is so important. God, that there are things in our life that we don't see, things in our life that we don't recognize, and you place people in our life for a reason. God, I pray for the ones that are even struggling with just the fact of past fears, past rejection, past failures. God, I pray that you would give them the boldness to overcome. God, that you would even help them to see that that is what the gospel is completely about, that it's about restoration. It's about freedom from the past. It's about freedom from broken relationships. It's about starting over. It's about who you are and what you've done. God, I pray that this morning that we would walk out of here. God, with a burden that rests so heavily on our heart to genuinely connect with the people that you have put around us. God, that we would understand that we begin to grow when we allow people into our life. Real quick, I just want to leave you with something. Last week we talked about connecting with Christ and we talked about the woman at the well and we knew that she was hiding something and the reason that she wasn't completely open and honest with, with Jesus at the well in the, in the very um, start of the conversation was because of the fact that she had a past that she wasn't too proud of. She had something that she didn't want Jesus to know. She, she had five husbands. It's usually not something that you start off a conversation with, right? Hey, my name is so-and-so and and I have uh, five husbands. It's not something you usually do. But I want to point something out to you because there's another part to that story that we never got to last week. Is after she understands that Jesus was the living water and she understands who Jesus was and she begins to connect with him and understand what he is and what he's come to do, there's an overflow that begins to flow out of her. You know what she does? She runs home and tells everybody about who Jesus was. So a good indicator of if you genuinely have a relationship with Jesus is if you can't shut up about him. Jesus was never, a relationship with him was never meant to be silent. I mean, some of you You're really, really good at promoting the things that you're excited about. Whether it was partying or having a good time. People knew who you were when you were like that. And then all of a sudden, it's like Jesus sets in and that tenacity and that boldness, it seems like it just all dies. Because now Christians, we're supposed to be prim and proper and we don't... Listen, the same boldness that you have, 
the same tenacity that you had when you were partying, use it for Jesus. Use it for Jesus. You don't have to change who you are just because you begin to have a relationship with Jesus. He does that on his own. He changes your past. He looks beyond it. But it does not mean that we shrink back. The thing that I love about Jesus, the thing that I love about the gospel is that when you see Jesus and you see the disciples and the relationship that he invested into them, there was so much tenacity in that. There was just this audacious faith and it was all because of who they knew and what he had done. If he gave his life, then listen, I mean, if, he, if, that's, if that's what he did, then I'll do it. There was this boldness that came over them that started out of relationship, that started out of Jesus saying, Peter, get behind me, Satan, that started out of what are you doing? How many times do I have to come on on the scene and rescue you? Oh, ye of little faith. And they became so great because somebody was constantly speaking the truth to them, constantly calling the good out of them and the bad out of them. Jesus and 12 men changed the world because of relationship, because they opened their lives and they weren't offended by the truth. As Christ followers, we have to learn to receive the truth. It hurts and it's painful. And at times it can be offensive, but we need it. We need it because it's constantly, constantly causing us to think inwardly. We need relationships. We cannot do it by ourselves. I'll share one story with you and I'll let you go. One of the greatest things and the greatest joys that I've had even working at this church is a few months ago, we started a Bible study in Paradise Park. And um, it started out with some block parties that we had thrown there. And uh, our, our kind of goal and vision was, hey, let's go there. Let's just kind of build some relationships with people. And then let's just find one family that we feel that we could maybe, that they would open their home up and we could start a Bible study in their home and just teach them about Jesus, share the gospel with them. And so that ended up happening. And so on Sundays, every Sunday at six, I've been going and my wife and I have been leading a Bible study there. And the first Sunday, the first Sunday night that we did it, I thought it was the biggest mistake I've ever made. Because I'm, I'm sitting with all these people who know absolutely nothing about Jesus. And and in my mind, I'm like, where in the world do I start? Because there's no foundation at all. Um, Like, Jesus died on the cross. Yeah, that that didn't even reconcile with them, okay? You can't just say, Jesus died for your sins. Why? Jesus lives in your heart. Are you serious? You can't do those things. They know nothing. But here's the, the coolest thing that I've seen out of relationships and out of 
vulnerability and looking at some of them and saying, listen, you're doing this and it's wrong. And what you're doing is breaking the heart of God. Really? The great shows is we've seen one woman who came in there who was like just an alcoholic, a consistent alcoholic. For almost two months now, she's been completely free. All because of relationships and because of who Jesus is and what he's done. That's incredible. But that kind of stuff does not happen unless you don't build with other people. It doesn't happen. Some of you know so much about scripture and you love to teach it. But you're hoarding it. You're holding it to yourself. And people need your wisdom. People need you to teach the word to them because they genuinely love Jesus, but they just don't know what to do. They need you. There's men in this church who genuinely love Jesus who are just waiting for another man to just rise up and say, listen, I know you don't know what you're doing, but I'm here to help. There's new moms who genuinely just have a relationship with Jesus. They love Jesus, but they have no clue how to have a relationship with Jesus and raise kids at the same time. Because the two, they just don't go hand in hand. They need your wisdom. They need you to point them to Christ. So I'm, I implore you this morning, I beg you this morning, don't walk out of here and continue another Sunday and continue another week trying to do it by yourself. Because I don't know if you've checked lately. You can't. <laughs> you can't. We need people. We need people. Father, we thank you for who you are and what you've done. God, we thank you for the people that you've placed inside of our hearts and our lives. God, we pray that this morning that you would give us the boldness and the audacity to open up, to share our lives with each other. God, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray.